So why don't you tell me the worst possible thing the Bay movies did? Basically everything about them. Welcome back to After Spark Podcast. I'm Else. And I'm Spex. And today we're here to talk to you about More Than Meets the Eye, part one. Oh, and it part one is part one of three. Yes. So basically, let's sit down and talk about giant robots, shall we? So, this is the very beginning of the Transformers cartoon, so we get an opening in space. Once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, on Cybertron, there was war. I didn't know you wanted to talk about the environment oh. paintings. <laughs> well, yes, there's some lovely environment paintings here. They're just, they're really nice. And then we get to the giant robots. And then we get to the giant robots, but I do want to pause. You actually found some, like, concept art of oh. the original. Yeah, it's, uh, I forgot the artist. I'd have to look them up. They're very, very pretty. We'll, uh, we'll find the post and link to it. Sure. Uh, they're a little bit more watercolor than we normally expect, considering the, the color scheme in the show, but they are very pretty. They're very rainbow. Very rainbowy. Lots yeah. of yellows and pinks and golds and... Yes. Anyway, so we start out on the planet Cybertron, which is the Transformers uh, home planet, mm -hmm. in the middle of war <laughs> with the Autobots versus the Decepticons. And by Decepticons, I mean pure evil. That's, that's what they're driven by. It's, it's, it's their life goal. And it's not that they, because they were created to do war entirely and they really didn't have anything else to do with their lives. It gets weird depending on which continuity we're in. Yeah, or creation story because I think it's implied later in the series that the Contessans built them and the Decepticons are war builds and the Autobots are like the consumer Yeah, products. something like that. Basically what we're getting at it was when you build someone only to fight, what options do they really have? But that's not the point here. The point here is the Decepticons are the bad guy and run on pure evil. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we open up and we see two Autobots, which is Wheeljack and Bumblebee, and unlike Bumblebee from the movies, this Bumblebee can talk just fine if you're only familiar with the uh, Bayverse. Mm -hmm. uh, that does come around some of the animated ones later, but not here. Yeah. So they're both snagging some energy to take back to their base, which is based out of Iacon, which is an Autobot city, mm -hmm. uh, where they are jumped by the Seekers. <laughs> Why don't you give a summary of the Seekers and then I'll go into the stupid continuity shit because oh my god. Yeah, okay, so there's Starscream, Skywarp, and Thundercracker. They're the main Seeker uh, trio trine that uh, we see in the series, except that basically Starscream is Megatron's second in command and then the other two just sort of hang around for shits and giggles. They're also all jets. Yes. And on Cybertron, they're pyramid jets instead of being F-15s. Or whatever the heck they are on Earth, I forget. A few a few characters, like, during this part where they're on Cybertron have their own Cybertronian designs. Not very many. Most of them don't transform. Mm -hmm. And the ones that, even though they do transform, still have the elements of their designs from Earth. So, like, Wheeljack still looks like a Lamborghini, which is pretty much Actually, he's a Lancia Stratos. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Wheeljack still looks like a Stratos, even though he turns into this weird hover car later. So... And then Bumblebee just, I don't know what the heck his alt mode is, but somehow he has teeny tiny wheels. Somehow he, in fact, has teeny tiny wheels. We'll get to that in a moment. Anyway, so they're jumped by the Seekers, right? Yes. Which which seems pretty reasonable. But then the voice that comes out of Starscream's mouth is not his. It's definitely not his. It's this really deep voice that's going, get them or something along those lines. Yep. And and so I, because I was, I, I, I was curious what was going on here and I actually went and looked it up because I had so 
that either Skywarp or Thundercracker's voice was coming out of his mouth there. And then I just sort of, it just kept getting dumber the more I looked. So apparently, that's actually Bumblebee's voice actor. It's not either of the other two jets, because it was probably supposed to just be a generic Decepticon, but the animators stuck the Seekers here, mm-hmm. which doesn't make a lot of sense. <clears throat> well, for a variety of reasons. Namely, because Starscream, we'll see back in a couple of minutes, is back in the base with Megatron. So, uh, but then it got better, because when they cut, they turn into three completely different Seekers, and one of them has a flamethrower. <laughs> yes. That throws a perfectly spherical, well, no, it's not spherical, a perfect circle of fire to surround the Autobots. Yes, and which they promptly ignore in a drive through anyway, so you have to ask yourself, what was the point? Yeah, Wiljack has these stupid little twirly spinny things that he deploys before they drive through the fire, and it's like, um? I don't know how it helps, but it did, apparently. Um... Anyway, so they manage to escape after Bumblebee gets hurt. It's apparently his rear axle or something, and you see him lose a teeny tiny wheel. Which makes no sense, because they're both hover cars. They look like hover cars, except I don't know what the heck Bumblebee's supposed to be, because he's sort of a weirdly... He's very weirdly shaped. Anyway, so Bumblebee hops on into Wheeljack, and they uh, drive off and escape the Decepticons. Oh, and Wheeljack deploys, like, a shield or something, which we, I don't think we ever see again. But Get it really, used to that. <laughs> it really weirds me out. It's like, Wheeljack, what's the point? Why don't you use this again? Does, does it go away when you're on Earth? We then cut back to the Autobot base, which is strangely booby-shaped. <laughs> I'm yes. not really sure why, but whatever. Anyway, outside the base, you see Soundwave is spying on the Autobots, so he's just chilling out there. Now, the fun part about this is um, Soundwave, when they get to Earth, will turn into a cassette player. And right now, he turns into a street lamp. <laughs> Apparently a street lamp. I mean, he could also be, you know, like some sort of weird phone thing, except that I don't think a street lamp would be like sure eight of those. I'm sure it's a street lamp. But what kills me is that you see him turn back into robot mode and deploy laser beak, which is one of his cassette robots. But he still has a cassette deck, despite be turning into a um, street lamp. Yeah. <laughs> which mm-hmm. I just find kind of hilarious. We, we see Jazz drive by and somehow completely miss Soundwave, who I swear to God turned back into a street lamp within the line of sight. Yes, yes, he pretty much did. And I mean, why don't the Autobots have a camera monitoring their front door? Because Laserbeak just, you know, is going to fly in there. And what kills me is they never have a Laserbeak detector. Laserbeak on Earth enters their base multiple times. Like, you would think there would be something, but no. I Soundwave's just sort of like, yeah, I pretty much know what's going on in the Autobot base at any given point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure at some point they end up with, like, pressure sensors on the floor. It doesn't help with a bird. <laughs> I know. It doesn't... May, maybe it helps with Ravage. <laughs> it doesn't help with ninjas. <laughs> Yeah, that's coming <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> we see Jazz drive back into the base, and we're introduced to the leader of the Autobots, which is Optimus Prime, who, even if you know nothing about Transformers, you probably know who Optimus Prime is, because he's one of the most recognizable ones. Yeah. I would argue his design is actually a lot more recognizable than Megatron's, especially yeah. G1. Mm-hmm. He's big, he's red and blue, and he turns into a Mack truck. Yep. So, you know, he feels very burly and American-y, I guess, because he turns into a freaking semi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so after we get our introduction, 
to Optimus, we basically cut back to the Decepticon base because this show can't focus too long on anything. But we're finally introduced to the Decepticons and their leader, Megatron, who is going to be delightful and campy, and his posse. <laughs> and then Shockwave. He kind of ends up being the elevator guy later in the series, but he's purple, he turns into a gun that can fly, and apparently he just likes chilling in his alt mode. Yeah, like that's... It, it cuts to the base, and he's just in gun mode, and Megatron's like, Shockwave! <laughs> So, I don't know how that works. Starscream, as I said earlier, is Megatron's second-in-command, and he really doesn't hide his ambitions well. He doesn't. At all. So again, depending on the continuity, but the general gist of Starscream, every Starscream, is that he wants to lead the Decepticons, and doing so means basically he needs to kill Megatron, because Megatron would probably rip him to pieces otherwise. <laughs> Except that he keeps telling Megatron to his face that he should be the leader of the Decepticons. Yes, and I can only assume that Megatron at this point and later only keeps him around for shits and giggles. I, that's all I got. <laughs> Either that or, you know, your own personal theory on that, uh, which I don't know if you want to share. Personally, I think they're in some sort of relationship and it is not a good relationship and they should really not be in a relationship, but I feel like that makes the most sense for why Megatron doesn't just rip the guy's head off. But, moving on. <laughs> So after, you know, Starscream is Starscream for several minutes, mm -hmm. uh, basically the gist of it is they find out the Autobots are going to leave Cybertron and Megatron's like, well, clearly they've got to be looking for something. We better follow them because of course you are. Gotta get that energy. <laughs> Gotta get that energy on because energy shortage. Cut back to the Autobots who are now getting ready to blast off in their spaceship. So basically the cover of the top of the city just sort of peels back and then the, the ship there's like nothing around the ship holding it up it's just like hovering there and it's like basically they fire up the engines and they blast off and it's like okay there's nothing there's no supports so this thing just goes straight up <laughs> and you don't see anything else in the city so what did they cannibalize the entire city for this thing or is it mostly underground and was this was just there this is our spaceship hangar yeah. That makes no frigging sense. So, uh, they blast off. Uh, they clearly don't know what the hell seatbelts are. Yeah. no one's wearing them. Yeah, they, they also don't know what a rear-view camera is. As we'll see in just a moment. So the Decepticons follow them up into space. And they're really, really depressing purple spaceship. It looks so sad. It, it like, has this really, like, droopy, down, nose. droopy nose. And it looks like the saddest spaceship in the entire universe. Anyway, basically the Decepticons are following them. The Autobots don't know this because of after mentioned they have no rear cameras. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly there are asteroids. Yeah. And then the Decepticons board the Autobot ship. Yeah, there's like some steam and stuff coming from where the, the hook-in is. And then there's just fighting and what, Soundwave takes out three or four Autobots at once. And then you see him like face down a <laughs> Yes, he takes out three or four guys. He's there being a badass because Soundwave is a badass. And then like the next shot, he's like flat. He's like face down over a panel or something. And you're like... What happened in those interim three seconds? Yeah, like some of the guys that he was that he was fighting and beating up last time are fighting someone else, and it, just like okay, yeah, okay. you have no idea what happened. So while they're fighting with apparently no time in between, suddenly Earth is there and they crash land on it. How did these weirdos miss eight to nine planets and I mean and a sun? And how is this a surprise? Even if they were fighting. Shouldn't there have been some sort of warning system 
or something. You would think have this been... is a spaceship. You think not running into asteroids or planets would be a bit of a concern. And I mean, how long has this been happening? Because I mean, what? It took like 30 years for one of our spaceships to get from basically from Earth to the outer edge of our solar system. I mean, I would assume they're they're faster than what our spaceships could do, definitely. But it does beg the question, how long was that fight going on? Were they just beating each other up like Rock'em Sock'em robots? For like a hundred years? <laughs> I mean, considering their lifespans, that's not improbable, but uh, still really weird to think about. Yes. So they all crash land on Earth and fall asleep for four million years. And four million years later, they wake up from the world's weirdest giant robot slumber party with the universe's worst hangovers. Yeah. Of course, they don't wake up until the volcano they've apparently crash-landed into. Mount St. Hillary. Mount St. Hillary erupts and jostles Skywarp into well, the repair zone? Well, it turns <laughs> So it turns Apparently the, the volcano going off, like, wakes up Teletran 1, and then it knocks Skywarp into Teletran 1's weird repair beam, and the ship... How does the ship not know who its crew is? You, you would think... Like, I know we kind of mentioned earlier, but Skywarp is a Decepticon. He's one of the Seekers. How would this thing not have, like, oh, a Decepticon signal is, is you know, detected. Don't repair this one, you'd think. But clearly they don't. So Skywarp gets, so Skywarp wakes up. We see Teletran 1 flying around Earth, scanning Earth vehicles so that that's going to be the alt modes everybody gets. I think it's probably a Sky Spy that's doing the scanning. Fair point. But I don't remember if... It's a Sky Spy, or if Sky Spies were only invented later by Wheeljack. I don't, I don't recall. Anyway, we, we see happen. some sort of little device running around Earth scanning all Earth modes for the bots. Since Skywarp woke up first, he basically drags Megatron over to the heel zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the heel zone. The heel zone. And Megatron wakes up, and thus they heal the rest of the Decepticons. And instead of doing the smart thing, like, you know, killing your... Mortal enemy. Yes, that are, you know, incapable of fighting back. They're like, we're just gonna ollie out of here because this is a waste of energon. Pretty much. Gotta go find some cool energon. Gotta go fuel up. It's the 80s, so it's <laughs> energon! <laughs> While they all, like, sort of group up on a cliff, heroically? I don't know. Villainously. Um, <laughs> villainously. Basically, the question of, hey, why don't we kill the Autobots sort of comes up. And Megatron's like, that's a waste of energy. They're asleep. Come on, let's do our shit. And Starscream, being Starscream, shoots at the, uh, shoots at the Ark, the Autobot spaceship, and which jostles Optimus into the heel zone. Well, he actually shoots, like, an overhang of rock that fall, that collapses, and then that jostles Optimus into the heel zone. Right, but what I'm getting at here is it's all Starscream's fault. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> And again, second command of the Autobot or the Decepticons here, folks. Cut to the Decepticons who are now setting up a new base, which is also purple. Yeah, like it's obviously Megatron's favorite color. The, I guess Skywarp is Megatron's favorite Decepticon since he's the most purple one that we see right now, except for Shockwave. And he's also the one that, like, Megatron was the first dude he went to help. So it's like A is boss, B the dude that is like his favorite person or something. <laughs> Basically, what we're getting at is Megatron's favorite color is purple, and I have comic panels to prove this. <laughs> yep. Lost light, I think? Probably. Probably, because I think it's like he painted this entire ship purple or something. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> anyway, Decepticons are setting up their new base. Starscream, Soundwave, and Rumble, which is another one of uh, Soundwave's cassette Cassettes. thoughts. Cassetticons. Cassetticons. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, 
basically see a human power plant in the distance and are like, yo, we need energy. So they fly off to go do that. All of them fly. Yes. A, well, you too will believe a cassette, <laughs> a cassette player can fly. Oh, okay. So the, the reason that they're going over there is a little less energy and more let's get materials to build this stupid base. Right. But they're still like, yeah, let's go over there. (laughs) We can do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Soundwave is not allowed to come up with, like, operation names. I forgot what this one was, but later he just says some really generic ones. I'm like, buddy, buddy, no. Yeah, they're kind of Operation Devastation or something. Operation Tidal Wave was my personal favorite because it was just like no they're just trying to make a tidal wave there's nothing else going on here right now that's not how tidal waves work i know i know (laughs) so the autobots have woken up and they're taking stock of their surroundings and they're determined to find and stop the decepticons so cliff jumper and hound are sent off to scout yep okay so we see optimus like give it sort of these the autobots are taking stock of what's going on that they're on a new world and that they need to go go out and scout and do things and so we've got hound who is a our scout b he's got hologram powers and other things and he's a pretty neat dude and then there's cliff jumper who's mr trigger happy don't send the trigger happy one optimus just don't but he does so <laughs> i'm sure you can guess what happens next the show is not that creative it, it isn't. It isn't. So Cliffjumper and Hound find the Decepticon base and are basically listening into Megatron as he is monologuing uh, to, <laughs> I think, Soundwave. But because of how it's shot, it just kind of feels like Hound is just jacking into Megatron's brainwaves with the satellite. And I don't know why that's so funny to me, but it is. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Because I mean, you don't, you don't, like, a lot of it is shown from like hound's perspective with his like satellite thing as they're listening to yeah so it's just sort of like are they just jacking into megatron's head because that's kind of what that looks like so then cliff jumper gets the brilliant idea to shoot megatron and like he says he's in his crosshairs no it's not crosshairs it's like in his viewfinder i think viewfinder is the word that he used he had one job which was to go scout and he couldn't do that but what made it worse is he also fucking missed. <laughs> that wasn't in your line of sight or your crosswords or whatever. You trigger happy little red lunatic. Red lunatic. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, so after Megatron almost gets shot, Soundwave's like, laser beak, go get them. And ejects him again. Mm-hmm. So then one of my favorite things in this episode happens, which Hound and Cliffjumper are like, oh no, if we split up, they can't get us. So they're like, yeah, this is a great idea. And laser beak, not being a fucking moron, shoots a missile that's going to follow Cliffjumper. No, or, the missile follows Cliffjumper. The missile follows Cliffjumper. And it's hilarious because it keeps cutting between a Hound and Cliffjumper. And the missile is like strangely sentient <laughs> and dodging. It's really good at following Cliffjumper. It's and really good. I, it just sort of feels like Laserbeak popped out a baby that is sentient and is following Cliffjumper. And then dies. <laughs> and then dies. Um, so it misses Cl- So Cliffjumper's okay, but Hound gets hit, so we can get introduced to the ambulance bot, Ratchet. Mm-hmm. And Ratchet, Ratchet's portable metabay that I think we only see this one time. Keep remembering this is a pilot and they did some weird things that don't show up at any point later. Yeah, and we also meet a dude named Holler, who we think we never see again. We might see him once. I don't think we ever, maybe once more, I don't think we ever see him talk. But yeah, Holler does not equal equal Grapple. And very similar looking, I assume. Well, I think Grapple only shows up in season two. Oh, so, gotcha. yeah. And so this dude may be more elusive than Cartoon Skids, who I think shows up like twice. 
and may or may not ever talk. After all that junk happens, we cut to Thundercracker in three... I know they're not mini-cons, but they're really small? They're closer to being mini-bops, I guess. Okay. So well, the thing three... is, mini-cons are basically the tiny little dudes that came in, that showed up in Armada that basically... Basically, they, uh, like, tie in and provide power boosts to other Transformers, and so mini-con, like, specifically means that. Unless we're talking about 2005, 2015 robots in disguise, in which case they're just tiny dudes. Okay, which is kind of what I'm operating. But anyway, we've got three smaller robots who can turn into a Polaroid camera. Yep, they're, they're a weird little combiner dude. They are. Anyway, so Thundercracker picks them up, snaps a picture of a truck, and mistakes it for an Autobot. I don't know why he needed a Polaroid camera to, to identify an Autobot. And that wasn't. That's, I think, the best part here is he's wrong. Yeah. Um, so, of course, they send somebody out to investigate, and oh no, it's actually humans, who are then attacked by one of Soundwave's other cassettes, which is Ravage. He turns into a giant panther. Mm -hmm. By Jay, and I mean he's uh, about as tall as a person, probably. He, he's, um, cassette, he's a cassetticon. Yeah, like his shoulder goes up to, like, human shoulders or something? Probably. Something along those lines. The Autobots mobilize after being warned by Cliffjumper and Hound of the Decepticon plan. Why Cliffjumper wasn't punished for just not fucking scouting, I'll never understand, but whatever. They, they make a joke about it, about, oh, you shouldn't have missed, and it's sort of yeah, no weirdly lighthearted being in a <laughs> oh, military unit. Oh, that scamp! <laughs> Kind of. And, I mean, the humans that Ravage attacks are honestly the most sensible humans in this whole cartoon, because they get the hell out. Yeah! They when a giant panther attacks you, you get the hell out. Anyway, so the Autobots mobilize and do what I can only describe as toy roll call, because they are introduced by name one at a time, except for, like, two characters who aren't on the screen at the same time, but, but mostly it's a toy roll call, you know, for the kids, so you know what what toys to buy the kids. Remember the toys, kids? The toys. Pretty much, and it's Major Domo Jazz leading the roll call. So we're not quite sure what the Autobot, like, hierarchy here is, because I think Prowl's generally considered the second, but I don't think he's introduced as a second, and, like, Jazz is the one who leads most of the, like, troop actions, apparently. I'm gonna go with Jazz is just more of a people person because Prowl is kind of he's the one who's like gotta keep discipline. Pretty much, yeah. So the Decepticons land on an oil rig because yeah. they want to get power to make Energon. Oh, oh, and apparently Energon cubes aren't really a thing for Autobots. Like it's specified that they're going to put Energon in a cube when Hound reports back. To yeah, the they're Autobots. like some kind of cube things. So, clearly what we're saying here is Energon Cubes has been trademarked by uh, Soundwave, mm -hmm. uh, obviously. And now I just want to imagine him in, like, you know, an actual trademark office <laughs> trying to fill this stuff out. And, like, maybe Perceptor's in there doing the same thing for some science-y thing. And they're just kind of like, hey, hey, get back to new paperwork. Yeah, like, he's trademarking his anti-cosmic rust thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. Um, so the first time we see Spark, Plug, and Spike, they're on this oil rig, and what is it? Is it take your child to work day, even if it's an oil rig? Yeah, because Spike's like, what, 14, 16, something like that? I feel like that? he's supposed to be 16, though. In the original comics, he's older than Buster, who is the main human that hangs out with the Autobots. So he was like 18 or 21 in that, so I don't know about... I you don't, don't know we don't know what's going on there, and why a 14-year-old, 16-year-old, whatever, would be on an oil rig with his dad. I feel like he's supposed to be 16, but you never, it's never clarified. 
pretty much. Anyway, so Decepticons attack an oil rig, and humans freak out about the 40-foot robots that have suddenly landed. And by freak out, I mean humans are territorial and will attack anything and are throwing all this shit at Megatron. It, like, got, what, like, tools and a crowbar and, like, all these other various things. They're just like, oh my god, there's this giant thing. Throw shit at it. Pretty much, let's make it go away by assaulting it with, with tools. Yes. Then Soundwave makes energon cubes, which the Decepticons promptly fill with oil and then squish, and somehow that turns into energon. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's weird. It's oh god. It's like those. So you know there are those uh, plastic bag things that you can like vacuum. You put clothes oh, in god. it. <laughs> you vacuum seal <laughs> with a vacuum in order to condense it for you know storage. And that's all this reminds me of. Except somehow that's how you process your oil into energon. Vacuum sealed energon. <laughs> Got it. Cool. Cool. So Decepticons are creating mass chaos as you do. And the Autobots arrive by flying. Remember mm-hmm. that later, because mm-hmm. they're flying. Yeah. And it doesn't look assisted. Yeah. Uh, so all-out fighting breaks out. Megatron does what I can only describe as a trust fall by <laughs> alting into his gun and being caught by Starscream. Yeah. Um, who's firing him, insert joke here, something. Anyway, there's laser fire everywhere on yeah. an oil rig. Good thing there's not anything combustible here, right? Except the oil is running free. (laughs) Yeah. So that's happening. And then Megatron and Optimus are trying to fight. And then Laserbeak tries to attack Optimus Prime. And okay, he's probably trying to like rip his optics out or something, but all all we get is bonk. <laughs> they use a bonk sound effect, so you just it kind of feels like you know something running into like a glass window or something like go 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 go. He's basically just bonking him on the head, and which I'm sure is annoying, but probably isn't going to do any damage to Optimus Prime. So then the Decepticons escape, and only now are there explosions. But only when Megatron wants explosions. And he's laughing alone with fire. He's laughing alone with fire. See the true power, the leader of the Decepticons. <laughs> so then we gotta save them humans. Uh, and that's basically where the episode cuts. More or less, yeah. Like, Sparkplug and Spike are trapped under some weirdly unsinkable metal bits that they apparently can't dive out from under. And there's some weird stuff going on with Sparkplug's arm where you can just see his form and it doesn't look like it's connected to his shoulder at all. <laughs> Animation errors. So we cut to it and it's like, next episode, Dams, Arch Enemies. And my own personal favorite, how Rubies are a warlord's best friend. So stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to the Rubies. <laughs> so this episode, More Than Meets the Eye Part 1, is a part one of a three-parter. So... You know, it continues on. Uh, but that is where the episode ends, is the oil rig is exploding, and oh no, save the humans. So, that's the end of our first episode, and we'll have the next one up soon if it's not already up. Something we wanted to bring up here is that originally it would have been kind of fun if we could have gone over some of the more memorable animation or continuity errors while we were doing this. But holy fucking primus, there are so many. Literally, is six and a half pages, single space. If you take all of the sections off of, like, the TF Wiki for just this site, which is, I think, animation and technical errors, continuity errors, and trivia, which I know isn't errors, but still, you know, fun information. So, uh, I think it's safe to say we'll call them when we seize them, but only if they're going to be particularly amusing for us, because, oh, we're not going to go over six and a half pages of animation errors. 
Yeah. That's your thing, though. The TF Wiki is a fantastic resource. Definitely go over there, get your fellow trivia, because they got it all. Yeah. So, I'll note animation errors if they particularly annoy me. So, <laughs> Specs, what is our fanfic recommendations for the week? Well, I've got two recommendations, both of which are complete. There's Transformers Juxtaposition by Vero, which I may or may not be pronouncing their name correctly. Um, yeah. So, rating, it's rated T, it's Gen, there aren't really any pairings. The main character is an OC, an original character, but everyone else is the G1 cast with a few other OCs, original characters that show up. So, in summary, a car wreck on a rainy night leads to the oddest partnership imaginable. A disembodied voice, possessed cars, alien robots, kidnapping, rescue, abduction, sparks, keys, and tomato sandwiches. Read if you dare. So... Part of why I chose this is that it's a first contact story, and it's just, Evelyn is a really fun human character. She's very entertaining. She's a linguistics professor, and basically her first contact with alien robots ends up in, basically, with one of the alien robots stuck in her head, and she thinks she's going kind of batty, but then he body naps her onto an alien spaceship, and the other alien robots are very nonplussed by this. <laughs> so, and then uh, our second uh, recommendation, well, my second recommendation, our second, let's go with our second recommendation, <laughs> is, I've actually read this one, <laughs> which I recommended that you read Juxtaposition, but it's like 40 chapters long, and I should probably mention that. So yeah, 40 chapters long. It's really long, and it's only the first part, but yeah. The second recommendation that we have is Why the Ark Has No Doors by Princess Artemis. So continuity is G1, it's rated K, it's Gen, no pairings, and the characters are the G1 cast, focusing mainly on Wheeljack and Wheeljack's inventions. So <laughs> And the shenanigans, therefore. <laughs> so in summary, it has been asked why the Autobots never tried to make the Ark more secure. Well, they did. It just didn't work out as planned. G1. So the theme, or basically the reason why I put this in, is arc security or surveillance and or the lack thereof. <laughs> like my comment uh, earlier in our conversation today. So uh, our fan art recommendation for the week is uh, Tayari. And I'm so sorry if I'm not saying that right. Uh, you can find them at tayari.tumblr.com. We will have a link. I've included some examples of the art that I personally really liked. Uh, they tend to do a lot of Megatron and Optimus stuff, but I actually came across them because Specs had reblogged a Kickstarter they were doing for Pens of Soundwave and his cassettes that were super adorable. I may have ordered one. But their other stuff is great too, and you should check them out. So thanks for listening to us today, uh, just to kind of give a rundown of our social media. You can find us mostly on Tumblr at afterspark-podcast.tumblr.com. We are on Twitter and Facebook at AfterSparkPod, all one word. And you can reach us via email at AfterSparkPodcast at Outlook.com. All this information can be found through our Tumblr as well. Anyway, that's it from us today. Uh, please join us next time for More Than Meets the Eye, part two of the original three-part pilot of Transformers. This has been Owls. And I'm Specs. And thanks for listening to us. We'll see you next time. Toodles.